Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And for maybe the first time since the very early part of the season, the Green Bay Packers played a game that looked almost exactly how we expected it to. They thoroughly defeated an overmatched opponent, this being the Dallas Cowboys at Lambeau Field, by a final score of 28-7. to And while maybe not as dominating as that final score would suggest, uh, certainly a performance that is among the better ones we have seen from this Packers team this year. And the big news coming out of the game was that this was the first time since last season that Mike McCarthy called the offensive plays. And that was something that many fans have been wanting to see for a long time, uh, wondering if that would be helpful in turning around the Packers offense that has struggled greatly so far this year. And for one game, uh, it certainly looked like it was much better than it had been. It's hard to tell after, you know, a one game sample size to tell exactly how different it would have been because really all you had to do yesterday was run. But, mm-hmm. you know, you wonder if maybe they win 21 to 7 if McCarthy wasn't calling the <laughs> plays. But it just, you know, the 44 carries that they ended up having mm-hmm. on, in the game is something that you kind of wonder if, if, you know, if they had the same play calling they had all year, if they maybe tried to force a few throws, uh, more so yesterday where McCarthy was committed to running, committed to giving it to Lacey and it worked super well, you know, 230 yards and, and two touchdowns on 44 carries is pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably with the way the passing game's going, what this offense is going to have to look like going forward to be successful. Yeah, the 44 rushing attempts is the most since 2004 uh, when they had 47 rushing attempts on that season opener Monday night win at Carolina and the 230 yards is the most they've had since 2004 as well which this game I remembered once I saw it but they beat the Rams 45 to 17 on Monday night football they had 231 yards rushing on 28 carries and Amon Green didn't play um, Najee Davenport, 19 carries, 178 yards. So I have that one somewhere in the basement. I kind of want to dig that one out to, to see if that truly happened or not. <laughs> that was 04, you said? Yeah, that was that Favre's 200th start, if I sure. remember right. Uh, but yeah, certainly the commitment to the run was something we haven't seen for a while. And the thing with McCarthy taking the plays, uh, play calling duties back is... Rodgers was very short about it when asked in the press conference. He said something like, I don't want to talk about that. And there has been some reports, um, not not reports necessarily, but speculation. Um, I, I heard Jason Wilde talk yesterday on ESPN Milwaukee, and he was saying that he doesn't think Aaron Rodgers is a big fan of this. And I could see that. I know him and Clements are close, but... It looked different yesterday, and they were very committed to the run. And we've talked about that a lot on this show, where it seems like their first series has been very similar every game, and it never works. And like that throw to Starks for the touchdown, where they kind of faked some action to Cobb going left, and then Rodgers pulls it back and throws a flare over to Starks with blockers in front of him. I don't recall seeing that play ever. And so it definitely looked more dynamic. I am not... I don't have the time or effort to go back and watch the coach's film, and I'm not smart enough to interpret it if I did do that. So I don't know that for sure, but from a layman's eye, it looked a lot more dynamic yesterday and, and committed to doing what they were, what was working, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. And I know we've talked about it before, but it always kind of you always kind of get that vibe that it seems like something's weird between Rodgers and McCarthy. And and if I was him, though, you think you would be begging for this to take place because it's been so bad for you know for so long here this year, and it comes back. And I know his his stats aren't gaudy yesterday, but it definitely looked a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they were doing things that worked. I mean, Devonta Adams only had three targets, which was a huge win for them. <laughs> um, you know, Cobb gets the majority of the targets, and although he wasn't flashy, he had eight catches for 81 yards mm-hmm. and you know you get four catches for Starks and Jones and and I, I like that offense that's what they have to be mm-hmm. instead of continuously trying to force down the field to a receiver that can't get separation or make a catch yeah it looked like a clone of 2003 just two backs one huge bruiser that has the potential to be a superstar and another great change of pace although this is kind of flip-flopped where in 2003 we had kind of the the speed all-around guy was our feature guy, and then our bruiser was the Najee Davenport changing it up. But, you know, more than one guy who can contribute in the run game, and then a very kind of economical passing game. And it still didn't quite click, but, you know, if, if Brett Favre could rein it in and do that, I certainly think Aaron Rodgers could. Uh, yeah, I, you mentioned that he would be begging for McCarthy to take it the, the play calling back, and I'm not so sure, and I don't know if it's a character flaw necessarily, because I have some of that in me as well, where I'd almost rather fail it, do it, or fail doing it my way, than succeed being told what to do by someone else. Right. And I can definitely see that in Aaron Rodgers, and uh, one of the notes I wrote down here, I, I'm not taking it very seriously, but it was me speculating how long this Rodgers-McCarthy um, partnership can go on. And I, I almost wonder if, you know, with a drastic move like this, especially involving a close friend of Aaron Rodgers, granted, it's a close friend of Mike McCarthy too, so it's not like he's just there for Rodgers, but, you know, I, part of me will be surprised if McCarthy makes it to the end of Rodgers' career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, when things know. start going down a little bit, like if we continue to see things going how they've gone this year, I mean, he's definitely gone before Rodgers would be. Yeah. But you could definitely see some sort of a blow up. I know they're both pretty good at not saying too much in the public, but there's always kind of been that thing you feel behind the scenes a little bit and hear about now and then. So if, you know, if things continue to to go downward, especially if McCarthy's calling the plays again for the rest of his tenure, which I would imagine he would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be curious to see how that goes once it's not going so hot anymore. Granted, you would think McCarthy would have long, a longer leash than maybe a similar situation because he was able to put the reins on a 37-year-old Brett Favre and make him play well again. So at least he's got that under his belt. Where yeah, he, true. Yeah, so. And it, I mean, it seems like him and, and Thompson's relationship is super tight, too, so... I mean, they're they're definitely the organization that's super all about the business, and maybe maybe I take back what I said. You mm-hmm. know, maybe McCarthy does have, you know, at that point in their careers where, you know, Rodgers is hanging on at the end, and and McCarthy is, you know, just kind of dealing with an average team. Mm-hmm. You, maybe you wonder if he would outlast Rodgers then. Yeah, I don't know. Um, hopefully, we don't have to find that out yeah, for let's, a long, let's long never time. Never let that happen. They can win four <laughs> more championships and both, you know, have Rodgers go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, let's go with that plan instead. You know, maybe that'll happen. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't notice the limited action for, um, Devontae Adams. So I don't know if that's necessarily a play call thing, but it seemed like the backs were being featured. It was like watching a Badger offense at times where we have two great guys coming out of the backfield. Let's just keep featuring them. 
I heard that they had done some different things from a formation standpoint, and I don't know if that was the weather or what, but John Kuhn had his highest snap count of the season, yeah. and Richard Rodgers, after a big game in Detroit, didn't play hardly at all. And, you know, we said the passing game wasn't the greatest, which it wasn't, but then, you know... Today I woke up in my backyard, my neighbor's backyard, was a lake that wasn't there before. So yeah. this this part of the state of Wisconsin has been under some very historic rain, and so that could have contributed to the lackluster passing game as well. Yeah, it, it just seems like a real shift in mindset a little bit. I mean, if who would have thought, you know, over the last six years that you might be needing to see this form of Aaron Rodgers where – We've got the running game going and rolling, and hopefully we can keep it going the rest of the year. And he's just got to be the guy that, you know, completes 20 passes for 200 yards and just make a couple of big throws. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess if you're going to have a quarterback do it, you know, why not have somebody like Rodgers doing it, that when you need it, when the game's on the line, you've got somebody who can make the throw. Mm-hmm. So if this offense can roll like this, you know, whether it was just for the weather or against a bad team, it worked. <laughs> and I don't mind if they keep this kind of formula going forward and see if it works. Yeah, and I think that, I agree with you, I think they almost have to. It seems to be the most effective way for them to win games right now and to move the ball. But I don't think that's anything that Aaron Rodgers should take personally or anything. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, this is different than even like 2003 when they really put the reins on Favre because they had a stud running back, and I think partially, you know, Tom Rossley and some of those other coaches didn't trust Brett to not turn it over anymore. Whereas Aaron, there's complete trust in his ability. He just doesn't have any weapons to throw it to. You know, it, it may be one of the worst receiving cores we've ever seen in Green Bay from a production standpoint. So, you know, it's December. You kind of just have to go with what's working. And right now, the Eddie Lacy, James Starks one-two punch is what's going to get him there. Yeah, I mean, when they've tried to spread it out, they end up throwing it 60 times for, you know, 47% completion percentage and just about the same amount of yards as he had yesterday anyways. So, yeah. Why not do it much more efficiently and actually get some yards from your backs? Yeah, and having said that, you know, doing it mostly with the running backs, they had their second highest yardage total of the season yesterday with uh, 435 yards of total offense. 29 first downs was the most they've had all year. So that even outpaced that Kansas City game. So, you know, not as many points as you'd like, but... It's it was the dreaded slowout that we always hate watching when we're neutral observers, which is good as it was to see the Packers play. And it was kind of fun to watch them win a 2003 style game. I felt terrible for the rest of the country that they were forced to watch that garbage. Uh, yeah, that would have been a pretty rough game to watch. Even just watching it here, like he never really felt like the Packers were in danger, even when it was, what, 14-17, I think? Or <laughs> yeah, 14-7. Yeah. You never really felt like there was any danger they were going to lose it. I mean, if I was in the national audience, I'd probably be watching some Christmas shows at that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing, though, I will say is as much as I think the offense looked better and I liked what they did and how they – you know, maybe McCarthy being the head coach calling the plays, he's got more authority to just say, all right, Aaron, you're going to take a back seat today and we're going to give it to Eddie Lacy and James Starks and we're going to win this game. They still can't help themselves and try to get too cute. And the thing that bothered me the most about yesterday, two things. One is they're on the goal line and Eddie Lacy's destroying everybody. And then they, th- I think they threw a pass on third. No, they gave it to Starks on third down. And then on fourth down with Lacy in the backfield behind John Kuhn, they have Aaron Rodgers do a quarterback sneak. Yeah. And Rodgers is in the Brett Favre 
quarterback sneak school where you take the snap and then you kind of flop to the ground like you have no control over your body. I mean, he's not going to do the Matt Stafford quarterback sneak where you jump up and put the ball in the end zone and risk taking a hit, which is fine, but... Like we've said on here many times, Eddie Lacy over the top I don't think has ever been stopped in his three-year career. So why not try that? And the other one is Lacy and Starks are destroying the Cowboys, not only rushing the ball but also catching it. And then they start the second half with an entire series of, uh, with Randall Cobb playing halfback. It's like, what? Yeah. you're thinking too hard. Just give the ball to Eddie Lacy. He's getting eight yards every time he touches it. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe it's a game that they were feeling pretty comfortable with and just kind of wanted to see what they could get away with and see maybe if they could get some other things working than just this basic run offense. But I agree. I mean, you're in terms of just winning a game, you're you're blowing the defense off the line, and your offensive line's been kind of banged up and not as good as usual. But yesterday they're run blocking like crazy, mm-hmm. and you know everything was working for them. So I think you're right. I think they're just like, oh, we know that's going to work. We can get back to that if we need to. Let's maybe try some weird stuff, see if we can get rolling in other ways too. Yeah, and I suppose that's a fair point. You know, we, we talked about this last year with that Tampa Bay game against Josh McCown. Once you saw Matt Castle play two series, you realize that unless we throw three interceptions or fumble the ball twice, this team's not going to beat us. <laughs> so maybe that's part of what's going on. So on the flip side, talking about Matt Castle, the defense despite not being challenged very much by a horrible Dallas offense, I thought played pretty well. And probably the most impressive thing is Sam Shields was supposed to take Des Bryant for the whole game. And unfortunately, he suffered a concussion early on. And Demarius Randall stepped right in and covered him like a glove. I think it was one catch and six targets for nine yards on Des Bryant and uh, almost stole the ball away from him on another contested um, replay catch by Des Bryant that wasn't but wow they what a diamond in the rough they found with Demarius Randall I know he was a first round draft pick but nobody was talking about him before the draft yeah not at all and I you know Shields did an awesome job on Des and and when you saw Randall go in there was no drop off he could get nothing going and it you know hearing the announcers talk it sounds like maybe that's been happening a lot kind of this year for Des and he they're talking about how he came in out of shape and he played poorly I mean he had like three drops yesterday I think it was yeah so, I mean, he didn't exactly look like an elite receiver yesterday, but still, I mean, for Randall to come in against the guy you know they're going to try to target a bunch and to completely shut him down after your starter gets hurt, that's huge. So mm-hmm. I love the way Shields played, and, and Randall, when he came in, it was awesome too. So I, if you can get that going the rest of the year, that's going to be pretty great. You've got a lot of depth there now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Quentin Rollins then having to play more and really quiet as well. So in a, in a good way, you know, you want to be quiet when you're playing cornerback. Um, so... Yeah, wow, what a what a good couple of picks that they had this year with the secondary. And granted, you know, Des Bryant, he might have been playing poorly yesterday, but I think he would have been more effective with a walking boot with his broken foot than with Matt Castle at quarterback. Yeah, that's true. He's so bad. He's thrown behind guys. And I said on Twitter, too, that he, again, Matt Castle is one of our favorite class of quarterbacks that's too terrified to throw more than 10 yards down the field and I said if 150 years ago some pioneer of football had decided that you only needed eight yards for a first down the Cowboys would have destroyed the Packers because they got eight yards on every single third and ten yeah and they've been weird this year too because I mean their offense was so good last year and I know you lose your running back but I mean even when Romo played in limited time this year he looked bad and Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle although they're not good quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination they've looked like the two worst quarterbacks I've ever seen this year in that <laughs> offense yeah. so it, it seems like there's something weird going on there I don't know if you know Garrett's going to get fired after the year or what but 
is just so anemic. I mean, to put up seven points, and they ran on us pretty well. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, what, 13 for 29 and just looked miserable. He couldn't hit anybody. Uh, yeah, he's thrown way behind everybody. And, and really, the rushing attack, too, was caused by two really big runs that yeah. uh, at least the first one was caused by HaHa taking just an absolutely miserable angle to the hole again. Um, but I guess that's going to happen. But for the most part, they held him in check. And, um, he, again, not a very impressive opponent by any means but that's what you should do to a bad opponent in the rain on your home turf so uh, one thing also is you know the we'll talk about uh, Mike Daniels coming up here but I thought the pass rush looked a little bit more alive than it had in recent weeks and uh, you know Clay Matthews just obliterated um, uh, Matt Castle on one of those and I don't know who the running back it was at the time but it always amazes me that some of those star players are able to get those clean shots on quarterbacks. It's, yeah. I mean, those guys are in the NFL to run the football. They're not there because they're great at picking up the blitz. But you wonder, you wonder what's going through that guy's head. Like, oh, I'm gonna go out here on the perimeter and help out against this no name who's running through traffic instead of try to block the guy on the Wheaties box that's running right <laughs> towards my quarterback. I mean, it just, how could you miss Clay Matthews running right up the middle like that? Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. That was that was a fun sack. But I think overall, the front three and in the three four yesterday played really, really well. I think even on some of the big run plays, I I think it might even been the first big McFadden run. I you just watch Raji just completely blow his guy up and get three yards into the backfield. I'm like, oh, way to go, Raji! And then they of course got by all the tacklers and the linebackers and safeties for a big run. Yeah. But I mean, overall, they played really well. I think. Although the, the Daniels contract seems big, I, I think they've got a few good pieces up there right now, and I really like some of the linemen they've got. Mm-hmm. It's you know, Like you said with the corners, they seem like they've drafted a couple of pieces, and this defense is coming together, and I'm starting to like what I see a lot. They've played, uh, if you can get maybe a couple of linebackers here, you've got a pretty complete team. Yeah, and J. Ron Elliott had a sack again, so he's yeah. still developing. and Dayton uh, yeah. looks really good. and Yeah, he's okay, and... You wonder what's going to happen with Raji because it's it's strange because he's played well, but I don't know if he's played well enough to get like a deal that Mike Daniels got. And granted, he's older, so that's going to hurt him a little bit. Yeah. But I have a feeling that they're going to cut ties with Peppers after this year, and so they're yeah, going to have some money. Yeah, you have to. I, he, he's part of the problem now. Instead of yeah. you know last year, he was one of the few pieces that was doing anything. He's been pretty rough this year. And they kind of knew that going in, and both parties knew that that was a possibility. I don't remember exactly because it was a while now uh, since they signed it, but I thought reading initially that the way the contract was structured is that basically it was a four-year deal, but after year two and certainly after year three, they could get out of it with mu- without much damage. And yeah. you would think with guys like Raji and all that draft class of 2013 with – Bakhtiari and Eddie Lacy and some of those other pieces that are going to be asking for money pretty soon. Uh, you can't be holding around some, for lack of a better term, has been with a giant contract, which is yeah. pretty much what Peppers has been this year. Yeah, he'll, I'm sure he'll be gone. I, what are they on the hook for? Probably another 10 mil with him next year, something like that. Yeah, he was like the third highest paid player on the team this year, I thought. Yeah. Uh, that granted, that might have changed with uh, Cobb and them because I haven't, I I don't look at the financials that much because I find it kind of boring and and who really cares? Those guys will figure it out, and as yeah. long as the guys are on the team, that who cares? Um, so Daniels today signed a four-year, forty-two million dollar extension, which that four years seems to be like Ted's 
he prefers that. I think other than Clay Matthews and Aaron Rodgers, every guy has gotten the four-year extension. I think Cobb, uh, well, Cobb and Balaga might have got five, but Jordy Nelson got four way back when Greg Jennings got four, so that must be what he's comfortable with. $42 million seems like a lot. I don't know exactly where that places him on the team. I think that's close to what Cobb made. Um, certainly, I don't know what it is for compared um, compared he's to the, yeah. He's the third highest three four defensive end in the league. Okay, do you uh, know who's ahead of him by any chance? I do not. Okay, I just had just heard that in passing today on, on some show. Well, that seems about right then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I heard that. He's like, you know what? I don't know who's ahead of him, but I was trying to think of who that might be, and it's like, I, he's up there. He's really good. Yeah, and, you know, we were texting each other today, and at first you're like, gosh, you know, he's really good, but then he kind of disappears. But when you think about it, when you think about the defensive tackles that get paid a ton, you're thinking of Indomitian Sue, and you're thinking of Warren Sapp, and, you know, those guys played in 4-3 defenses. So they're rushing the passer a lot more, and and Mike Daniels really doesn't get an opportunity to do that. He's an effective pass rusher when his job is pretty much gap control, and so that's impressive enough in itself. I think he's got four sacks this year. He had like six and a half last year. So, And he's, uh, as whenever I talk sports with my boss, he always says he's one of the only mean guys the Packers have on defense, and I think that's worth something as well. Yeah, and I, I think you really just have to lock him up because right now he's playing like – if not the best, you know, one of the top two players on that defense, I would say. And, you know, you, you kind of hear after the 2010 season, they let Colin Jenkins go. He kind of a similar type player, mm-hmm. and it really seemed to hurt him. And I think that Daniels is playing at a level above, you know, what even Colin was playing at back then. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you don't sign this guy, it's it creates a much bigger void. Maybe you have to pay a little more than you're comfortable with, but I think you really, really had to do that. Yeah, and supposedly he had told his agent that the only thing that mattered to him was making sure that he got to stay in Green Bay. And, you know, a lot of guys say that after they sign the big deal. But um, I think that has to be worth something. And now they've gotten guys like Cobb and Daniels, and they've kept those guys around. And, you know, 10 years ago when Mike Sherman had his disastrous reign as general manager, I just remember years where you'd have – Nate Wayne and Niall Diggs with very similar productions and similar body types, and Nate Wayne is begging to stay in Green Bay, and Diggs is like, yeah, I don't, you know, it's okay here, but I could play anywhere. And then they let Nate Wayne walk without an offer and make Niall Diggs stay. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, I don't know, but it's good to see that um, at least the guys have bought in to what's going on in Green Bay and say claiming that they want to stay. You know, Evan Dietrich Smith doesn't go to Tampa and say, gosh, I would have done anything to stay in Green Bay. <laughs> but, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But uh, still cool to hear to have a guy like Mike Daniels who seems to like it here, and now he's going to be here for quite a bit longer. Yeah, it, it really seems like they place a lot of value on that, finding the right guys. And I, Green Bay is such a unique sports town, and it seems like they're always getting these high-character guys and guys that want to play here with the, maybe the – um, uh, Charles Woodson being the the standout, there's yeah. clearly saying he didn't want to come here, and then being a huge contributor. We want him over though. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it seems like they always want these kind of guys, and it makes it an easy team to root for because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that uh, every team is saying that to some degree, but you know. But I mean, we're not really taking on the you know the troubled guys and you know the guys making comments about how Green Bay is such a crappy place to play and visit and stuff. And you just don't like. You don't ever hear that coming out of anybody on the team's mouths or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. after they leave in some cases, but they're the ones who leave and yeah. are criticizing it now. So, And I don't think, like, what the most critical guy I can remember is Greg Jennings, and yeah. he didn't say anything about the community. He was talking about the quarterback and the organization. 
Well, didn't he make some comments about how there's nothing to do to or something like that? I thought I remember Maybe. him saying something stupid about that, too. I remember Ryan Longwell saying that the best restaurant in town was Applebee's or something like that. <laughs> Which is, at, it's at least Long John Silver's. Green Bay actually is very underrated for restaurants. I've lived in two cities since, and I miss the Green Bay restaurants. They do pretty well there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing that just drives me nuts about those kind of comments. Like, there's nothing to do in Green Bay, or there's no places to eat. It's like, what, are you telling me that Cleveland is some kind of haven of culture? Or or any of these other places? It's There's really only a handful of things you can do for entertainment. You can go to the club, you can get drunk, you can eat food, you can go see some shows, and I always find it hilarious because the guys are saying it are guys like Alden Smith. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you would be taking in the Broadway scene, right, if you were in New York City. You know, you're a very high – going all the art museums, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just – it's really stupid. I think it's it's probably just a sophisticated form of Internet trolling coming from a bunch of – pampered guys who have done nothing but play a kid's game their whole life well it's the it's the standby defense mechanism thing to rip on it's like you know you 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 get kicked out you don't get re-signed all of a sudden you're like well well, there's nothing to do there yeah so i'm glad so it's just kind of yeah it's like a guy who got dumped i don't even like her anyways yeah exactly (laughs) so well at least mike daniels doesn't have to go through all that he can just continue to say how much he likes green bay and we're glad to have him that's right so the Packers win um, 28-7 to over a really bad team, but they looked good. Uh, my fear coming into this week was that the Packers were going to win, but they were going to struggle and barely beat them. And it wasn't maybe as dominant as I had hoped for, but like Matt said earlier, that there never was a time in the game where you didn't feel like the Packers were in complete control and were going to win the game. And they really stuck you know, put their foot on the gas at the end and kind of buried the Cowboys, which was nice to see. So I guess my question is, what are your expectations over the final three games? Uh, The way the playoff scenario is going, the Packers could already have clinched a playoff spot by the time they take the field against Oakland. Um, I haven't seen any other articles confirming it, but just from me um, playing around with the uh, playoff scenario generator and then also... um, just looking at the tiebreakers, I think that if the Buccaneers lose to the Rams in St. Louis on Thursday, that the Packers will clinch at least a wild card spot. Um, with their win yesterday, they can do no worse than play Minnesota for the division in Week 17. And actually, if Minnesota loses to the Bears or the Giants in the next two week and weeks, and the Packers win the next two, they will clinch the North before playing the Vikings, which is right. cool as well. Um, and then if Arizona loses any of their remaining games or let's just say for for simple sake that if they lose to the eagles then the packers will know taking the field against the raiders that they control their own destiny for a two seed yeah i think you're right with the wild card it looks like every other team that's not in right now has seven losses so really um in atlanta i think the packers have all the tiebreakers over the falcons so they can't jump over the packers Right, yeah. Yeah, they're all at six and seven. Seattle's the last team in with five losses, mm-hmm. and everybody else has seven. And all the um, East teams play each other, so there can't be yeah. more than one nine and seven team in the East. So basically, you're locked in at this point. It's just kind of figuring out where you're going to land. But I, I mean, I think this team is kind of what we've seen for the last six weeks. I don't have huge expectations for the playoffs, but I mean, you get to play a Raiders team that's not that great. You're, you play Arizona, not a game I expect to win, but I mean, if you can beat the Raiders and then beat Minnesota, I mean, you're sitting pretty good for the division there. And 
I, mm-hmm. I don't think Minnesota's too great. I wouldn't be that shocked if they lost their next two games either, and you might even have it wrapped up before then. Yeah. Uh, but The that, slightly that, that, scary thing about that scenario is that you'd have to play Minnesota on back-to-back weeks. Yeah, that's true, and which we seem to do all the time <laughs> yeah. in that first round of the playoffs. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I expect Green Bay to go 2-1, and one, hopefully to start chugging a little bit in the passing game over the, over the next few weeks. I think that's important and keep that run game rolling. So I, I think they're they're not a great team, but if you can win a division, get an easy first-round game, maybe get a little steam rolling into a divisional round matchup against a really good team, who knows. Yeah, um, I, I don't have any fear that they're going to lose the division. I think they have that pretty well secure. And the last, <clears throat> um, the Vikings looked okay on Thursday, but they just got drilled by the Seahawks. So I, I think the Packers are quite a bit better than the Vikings, and especially at home, should be able to beat them. I would be pretty surprised if they beat Arizona, and honestly, I'd be pretty surprised if they were that close in the fourth quarter, you know, more than a 10 points or so. Um, you know, Arizona seems to maybe be coming back to the pack a little bit, but they still are quite a bit better than the Packers, and at home, um, I don't know if the Packers quite have the formula to go take them out, but we'll see, you know, it, it, it could definitely happen, the, the Cardinals... They're, they're a very high-powered offense this year, but they still aren't drilling teams quite like you know Carolina is, so maybe there's a chance for that. You said maybe, what, third or fourth week of the season that this is a team that feels like it's going to lose in the divisional round? Um, I can't see any other scenario for this team right now. <laughs> I think they'll beat, the, they'll beat the Vikings in the wild-card round. It looks like they won't have to play Seattle, so they'll get to the divisional round, and then they'll go to either Arizona and Carolina and probably get drilled. Yeah, and I said that when they were still good. So Yeah, you did. I, they had it, no losses at that time. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully I'm wrong, but I, I agree with you. I I think that they win that first-round game, and uh, but I don't see a scenario, especially, especially playing you know maybe a Cardinals team for the second time or however things shake out or playing Carolina again. They're just such bad matchups for the Packers. I mean, with really stout defenses and efficient offenses, they're just the kind of teams that we get slow outed by. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, I can maybe see them hanging in for a little bit, but I just don't know. We don't have the firepower or the defense to really slow either of those teams down, I don't think. And the scary thing is everybody always talks about getting hot at the right time, and it's usually, you know, it's it's been true more recently than it has historically. But one of the things that nobody wants to admit is one of those teams that's getting hot at the right time is the Panthers. Despite pretty much playing great all season, they had to squeak by some teams, and now the last couple of weeks their offense has been looked almost unstoppable. Granted, against two suspect defenses, but you know if, if you're talking about getting hot at the right time, it's hard to argue anybody's playing any hotter than Carolina is right now other than maybe Seattle. Yeah, I, man, that Seattle now. I'm just like certain they're gonna end up in the Super Bowl with how they're playing lately. It's, it's yeah. Scary. Rawls though broke his leg. Yeah, so I mean maybe you don't have the run game they've had, but they're just as I mean Russell Wilson's playing way better than he ever has too, and Doug Baldwin is all of a sudden the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, catching three touchdowns a week. It's kind of scary. I'm glad we wouldn't have a potential matchup with them until the NFC Championship game. It looks like right now. Yeah. If oh, I'm yikes. Yeah, Seattle since the bye, 32 points, 29-39, 38-35. They're third best in points allowed, second best in yards allowed, sixth in scoring, fifth in yard. I mean, they're more balanced than they were in either of their two previous uh, NFC Championship seasons. 
Yeah, and how ticked are you if you're at Carolina and you get a one seed and all of a sudden you got them coming into town? It just doesn't yeah. seem fair, especially if you go 16-0 and 0 and then you get the you know the back-to-back defending NFC champions coming into your place that, for a big divisional round game. it's That's going to be a really tough one, but a, a good one to watch, though, too. Yeah, they still would have to win three road games, though, to get to the Super Bowl. And as I talked about a little bit last week, and hopefully I'll get the the ambition to write an article about the stats that I collected that even the greatest quarterbacks and the greatest teams, they almost never can come out of the wild card round to win the Super Bowl. It's incredibly fluky. We, we've seen the Packers do it. We've somehow seen the Giants do it twice, the Ravens twice. But for the most part, even your Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's of the world, they're not coming out of the wild card round very often. And so I think Seattle would probably be the same way. Yeah, but in this case, they almost get a bye the first week. You know, if you can see it, yeah. how do you see them losing to Washington or or the Giants or or Philly? I mean, it's that almost seems like a certain victory, and then you basically are right in the divisional round right away. I know you're on the road again, but it's it's about as easy of a first round matchup as a wild card team's ever going to have. Yeah, I, I I agree, but it still is one more game where something can go wrong. There's a zero percent chance Carolina or Arizona loses in the first round. You know, because they don't even have to be on the field, and, and strange things can happen. You know, the defending champion 11-5 and Saints probably didn't think the crappy Matt Hasselbeck uh, Seattle Seahawks posed much of a threat to them either, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you, especially if it's Washington. The, Seattle will beat them by 100, <laughs> probably. Other playoff scenarios are interesting. Um so I was just messing around with the playoff scenario generator that Daniel Johnson had put on our Facebook page. So um, thank you, Daniel, for doing that. And anybody else, if you want to mess around with scenarios and point out any crazy ones you see, that, that's always fun to see. But from what I gathered is that the Eagles and Redskins both control their own destiny for the NFC East Championship. Obviously, they play each other. The Giants would need to, I believe, win out and get some help. Uh, they wouldn't need to, yeah, they would, uh, need to do that. So, the Giants need help. I don't know exactly how. And the Colts and Texans both control their own destiny and they'll play each other on Sunday. The winner of that controls their own destiny for the rest of the season for the AFC South Championship. Um, I think the Jaguars, if they win out and go 8-8 eight and eight and get not as much help as you would think, would win the AFC South, which I'm actually kind of rooting for because yeah. Brian Hoyer stinks and I don't care about the Colts. I'm tired of them getting free passes to the playoffs. And Blake Bortles has 30 freaking touchdown passes this year. Yeah, and they look really good. And even in the games they lost, their offense was rolling, but their defense is all of a sudden coming together. I agree. I'd much rather have them in there. They look like a pretty complete team and might actually give somebody a scare rather than Houston going in and getting blown out by somebody in the first round. Yeah, and who would they play? Kansas City, probably. Maybe the Jets. You know, or they could beat like those a Pittsburgh team or something like that. Yeah, and you know, them in Pittsburgh would be a fun shootout. You know, maybe dust off a rivalry from the '90s with the Jags yeah. and Steelers. Um, the big story as far as the playoffs go is Andy Dalton injuring his thumb yesterday and conflicting reports. Some were saying he'd be out for the year. I got an alert on my phone from NFL mobile saying that they are hopeful now that he does not have to have surgery that came out today. He does not have to have surgery that they're hopeful. He can play in the playoffs. They didn't say whether it be right away or later on, but for now it's going to be former Alabama quarterback, AJ McCarron as the starting quarterback for the Bengals. And you know, the NFL is very, you know, they're very excited about this because for 
pretty much all offseason, everybody talked about how they couldn't wait to see that A.J. McCarron-Brock Osweiler matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, it, after how Brock played yesterday, you wonder if Peyton's going to get back in like this weekend if he's ready to go. And yeah. You would think that, you know, now that he's not setting the world on fire anymore, it might be the opportunity to get Peyton back in there. So hopefully we can avoid something like that happening and actually get a good quarterback matchup. Yeah, because right now, if the AFC playoffs started right now, the quarterbacks would be Tom Brady, A.J. McCarron, Brock Osweiler, Matt Hasselbeck, wow. Alex Smith, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jeez. I mean, that's gross. <laughs> Oh, I saw, like yesterday, uh, the Rawls injury happened for Seattle, and then you had Andy Dalton getting hurt on what looked like just a simple kind of banging of his thumb on some guy's knee. Um, you can't do anything about it, and that's what makes it so frustrating is the NFL is probably as disappointed as we are that they're losing so many marquee players, and you really can't do anything about it, but it's, I don't know, it, it it seems like it's happening more now than it used to. And, you know, Shields took a really tough fall yesterday, but I just, it seems like every game, every time somebody's on the ground, I'm worried they're never going to get back up. And I watch a ton of old games, and it doesn't feel like every time somebody hits their head, they get a concussion. Or every time somebody makes a weird cut that they pop an ACL or tear an Achilles, um, it's just is, it's weird now. And there's really nothing they can do about it, but I wish there was. Yeah, they just gotta stop it. That's it. <laughs> stop it. The whole league. <laughs> just stop. Play, cancel football. That'll be able to do it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, frustrating. So um, I guess the NFC playoff picture is not that interesting. Uh, if you just had to take a quick flyer on it, who do you think is going to win the NFC East? Uh, I I guess I like the way Philly's been looking lately. I I still think New York might be the best team, but they've kind of put themselves in a little bit of a hole. Um, I. Well, they're all five and seven right now. Well, they're five and seven. The other teams are six and seven. Yeah, because they won. So, I mean, they're right back in the thick of it. I don't know what their the remaining schedules are. I guess I, I'll still stick with the Giants. I think they were my pick a few weeks ago, and I still like them the best. So, yeah, the Giants are the best team by far, but their schedule is brutal. I think they got Carolina. They have to go to Minnesota um, tonight. Even at Miami, could be a little iffy. Yeah, it's tough. But I, I, yeah. I bet Philly sneaks in somehow. Yeah, I, I just want to see quick if where that Washington-Philly game is. It is in Philadelphia. So Washington has to host the Bills, then they have to play at the Eagles and at the Cowboys. They won their first road game of the season yesterday. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's probably going to be the Eagles. So apparently LaShawn McCoy didn't have anything to say after losing to the Eagles yesterday, which, I mean, I guess what are you going to say, but... It's, <laughs> I don't know. That was a weird situation. He yeah. still seemed mad, and I don't know. I, yeah, I I was kind of on board with him like earlier in the week. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't like Chip that much. I whatever, like, oh, Sean, and then to handle like like talk smack all week, not play that well, and lose, and then not have anything to say. Like, I'm sure if they won, he'd have been you know shooting his mouth off for the whole rest of the evening last night and yeah. tweeting and all that stuff, but we heard nothing and wouldn't talk to reporters. It almost doesn't seem fair. If you're going to talk crap all week long, if you lose, you should have to sit down for a, <laughs> like a whole press conference on that. It's I feel kind of cheated. He just yeah. took the cheap way out, just ducked out of the locker room. Well, and it's not like he was Eddie Kennison, you know, talking smack about Mike Shanahan and saying he's a bad coach and stuff. He basically called the guy a racist without much more than some not very 
good circumstantial evidence and you know to to then tuck your tail and run away after levying that kind of accusation i think is you know i i i don't know if i was ever on his side necessarily i i'm i'm never i'm not going to make an apology or anything for chip cuz i didn't know enough about the situation but that's a pretty heavy thing to lay on somebody yeah. you know if you don't have some real concrete evidence of it yeah, and it sounds like Chip even tried to call him this week to smooth things over. And it's like if somebody was calling me a racist, I probably wouldn't be doing that. But yeah. I, I, some more things I heard over the course of the week last week about you know, some other things about Shady that you, you know, like he goes to restaurants and like doesn't tip and is kind of a jerk. And it's like pretty shady, am I yeah, right? It's like you know maybe Chip made the right call with that one, even though it's the guy he got in his place is playing terrible. But it, maybe yeah. you get a bad guy out of your locker room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. It's kind of strange that this chip thing looked like a disaster, and now because yeah, he of... He was gone, for sure. Everybody yeah. was talking about which college job he was going to land, and now he might have his team in the playoffs. Well, and granted, they've had a lot of help from other similar disasters in their own vicinity with the, the Cowboys yeah. and the Redskins and stuff. But, yeah, what a... I don't want anybody to come out of that division. Like, the Giants are the probably the, the easiest to root for out of those teams, I guess. Um, you know, I don't really have anything against Dallas necessarily anymore, but, um, you know, the Giants are probably the best team, but I'm terrified to have them in the playoffs. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if I'm rooting for somebody, it's Washington. I mean, Kirk Cousins is whatever. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I hate Jay Gruden, though. Yeah, that's true. I, but I mean, they're a team that's, you know, they don't make it that often, so I guess I'd rather see them than New York make it again and yeah. make some stupid playoff run or. Or the Eagles make it, so I guess I'm rooting for Washington. All right, Chip, cheering for the uh, team with the racist mascot and the jerkhead coach. Got it. <laughs> yeah, and the terrible point. owner. Yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> yeah, they are. All right, let's move on. Um, so we had some comments on the Facebook page um, about this game, so I wanted to uh, get those real quick. Oh, I clicked something wrong. Now it's uh, closed everything. Okay, we got her back now. So I asked how everybody is feeling. Uh, Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. The Packers could be in the playoffs as early as Thursday. How's everybody feeling? And Daniel Johnson said, that was great. I can't stand the Cowboys. I've always been a Matt Castle fan, though. Why? Why would you be a Matt Castle fan? <laughs> and always. Yeah, that's like, does he, do you like elevator music and uh, that kind of stuff as well? Big fan of backup USC quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Um, it's funny how Dallas is still in the running for the division. I f- uh, figured it out on the playoff machine. So I think a three-way tie at seven and nine favors the Cowboys, is what I've read. A four-way tie at seven and nine favors the Cowboys. The Cowboys don't have a chance. No, <laughs> they don't. they're out of it in my mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's scary how statistically um, they can still do it. What yeah. about the comment that he can't stand the Cowboys? Do you still harbor any ill will towards Dallas uh, from years past? It's tough. I don't, but. As soon as they get good, I do again, just because it's it's so annoying like having to listen to ESPN or any of the national media really talk about them constantly if they're even decent. Yeah. Um I, I guess I don't have any problem with this team. They're bad and they're they've been bad for, you know, consistently for like sixteen years now, so it's hard <laughs> to really hate them. And they're not really I mean, they've got a bunch of thugs on their team. I mean guys like Greg Hardy make it hard for them to root for, but I don't maybe I hate him. I don't necessarily hate the Cowboys anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. The fact that they've been on national TV so often this year when Romo's played three, what, four games, it's just ridiculous. That, that's Yeah, that's hard to swallow. It's not their fault, but it kind of, yeah, I can see how that can maybe make you a little frustrated with them. Yeah, but I certainly am over, like, the 90s and whatnot, and I think it helps that so many of those old Cowboys that we hated are all over the media. Yeah, and, that's true. And, you know, granted, 
you know, they've all had their different things in their past. But, you know, Troy Aikman, I, I think, is a really good analyst. I love Deion Sanders on NFL yeah. Network. And even Michael Irvin, I find really endearing on the, those shows. And they had a thing a couple of weeks ago where he they were talking about great defenders that they had played against. And I guess Michael Irvin had said that um, he thought Jason Seahorn was just the worst and that he'd never beat him one-on-one. And so they got together a video package of Seahorn just whooping him. And then Irvin just lost his mind, and he's, like, yelling into the camera. He's like, who's the loser that spent years and years going through a 100 years of video to find three plays of Jason Seahorn making a play? <laughs> he was so mad, but it was funny. So I even like all those old Cowboys. And Jimmy Johnson, you know, he's been around forever, so yeah. I can't even hate the guys I hated on the, the Cowboys that I hated. Mm-hmm. I hate to say hate so often. <laughs> All right, and Corey Bend also weighed in and said, Feeling pretty good. Something about beating the Cowboys is always just a little extra satisfying. And the way they did it yesterday is somewhat encouraging with a question mark. I feel like if the Packers are going to do damage in January, it'll be the legs of Lacey and Starks that carry them through rather than the arm of Rodgers. And yesterday they showed that they were capable of dominating on the ground, but sometimes it felt like they were reluctant to just keep it simple and pound the rock. They were passing on some third and shorts and throwing Cobb into the backfield, and seeing that makes me feel like they're going to overthink the play calling and it could cost them. Unfortunately, I am now much more afraid of Seattle. Russell Wilson has turned the corner. Much as it pains me to admit it, the good news is Seattle will likely get the NFC East winner in round one, so we won't see them until the NFC Championship game. So much of what we said before... Yeah, we already said all that. We completely agree with you. I think they had one play where they were throwing like a wheel route to John Kuhn on third and one, and I'm like, gosh, what? I don't remember that one. Oh, it was awful. Just give it to Eddie Lacy. Um, yeah, so so we'll see. Okay, uh, let's real quick, in as rapid-fire fashion as we can, pick the games for this week, and then we'll be on out of here and try to dodge the rain. Uh, is it raining like crazy out by you guys? Yeah, it was a weird today, day today. We actually got a lot of snow. It was like on and off between oh, wow. like a rainstorm and a blizzard. <laughs> it was oh really weird because it was like right at 33 degrees, so we actually have some snow on the ground. Oh, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, I don't want huge snow, uh, but right now with... Almost everybody in the neighborhood having standing water in their yard. I'm yeah. I'm very jealous of that. Yeah, it was pretty sloppy and pretty slushy out there, but it was, this is was like the first snowfall we've had all year. So it's good yeah. to finally, we're so close to Christmas, finally getting a little snow. Yeah, we haven't had any, so maybe we got a couple, what, jeez, ten freaking days left till Christmas Eve. That's nuts. <laughs> okay, Tampa Bay at St. Louis, the last of the color rush games. And if the Rams can defeat the Buccaneers, the Packers are in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they will. I I think I'll pick Tampa here. These teams are so hard to pick. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like they're good like every other week, and St. Louis just won and Tampa just lost. So I, <laughs> I guess I'll stick with Tampa. I think they've got a little more talent. Yeah, that seems as sound logic as any. It seems like, yeah, I don't know. As soon as I got on that Tampa bandwagon, they started losing. But I think they're better than the Rams, and certainly they're uh, more multidimensional than the Rams are who really only have Todd Gurley. Yeah. Oh, hey, just to interject real quick, have you seen the Dolphins throwbacks that they're wearing tonight? No. They're wearing their 90s ones, or maybe they're older than that, the 80s ones, but this, these are like the uniforms I've wanted them to wear like permanently forever instead of the stupid like teal and weird. They're wearing like the old school green ones with the older helmets. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to. I was going to maybe watch that game anyways, but now I'll definitely have to tune in. That's awesome. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Nice. The Jets at Cowboys, a Saturday night game. Jets. Uh, Yeah, I will agree. Kansas City at Baltimore. Uh, I'll go with the cheap train. They're rolling hard, and Baltimore looks really bad, and they might have Clausen starting at quarterback. Yeah, uh, 
makes me a little uneasy that they're on the road and they didn't play very well Ravens against. Are so bad. Yeah, but the Chiefs barely squeaked by a crappy Charger team at home. But yeah, but yeah, Baltimore's a mess right now. Houston at Indy for control of the driver's seat of the dreaded AFC South uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's it's tough because I'm not sure. You don't know if you heard that Luck might play. Hasselbeck might be available, but you don't know who's going to start. I mean, you mm. might have a third stringer. I don't even know who that is for them. Yeah. Um, I guess. Man, they looked so bad yesterday. But it's you know it's at home. Uh, I'll take Houston. I guess like with a little consistency, the defense has been okay. Offense is fine. Whatever. <laughs> Just in case <laughs> India has to play a third string quarterback. Did you watch any of that game last night? Uh. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Oh, it was so bad. It was one of the worst games of the year. It's just so boring. Like, even wor- a worse slowout than our slowout. Poor people around the country had to watch back-to-back slowouts. They had no choice. That's just the worst. Um, yeah, Indy could be anywhere from starting Andrew Luck to Charlie Whitehurst. Whitehurst, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah apparently uh, Hasselbeck has his arm in a sling today. Um, oof. I guess I'll take Houston... Um, does at least they have more of their preferred pieces to to use, even if they aren't very good compared to everybody else's. But I'll take them. Uh, Tennessee at New England. Uh, New England. Uh, I will agree. Buffalo at Washington. Ooh, yeah. Buffalo keeps disappointing me when I keep picking them. I man, this is tough because I think the game probably means more to Washington. I'm sure Buffalo is pretty. If they're yeah. not, they're pretty close to being mathematically eliminated at this point. But yeah, I, what are they? I six guess and seven? I'll I'll stick with Buffalo. I'll keep writing that. Sure. Um, I don't know. I I don't know why, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take the Redskins. I'm done getting burned by them. They just yeah. The 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 Bills just don't seem very good. A Super Bowl rematch, by the way. So maybe they'll have yeah. Mark Rippon on hand. <laughs> the Bears at the Vikings, which. If you had asked me a couple weeks ago, I think I would have picked the Bears, but they just keep finding ways to lose close games. Um, I think Minnesota's a mess, but I feel like they're going to win a low-scoring game, so I'll take the Vikings. Yeah, I feel like these two teams are really similar, like talent-wise, and it's only kind of by chance that one's five and eight, and one's eight and five. Yeah, I uh, I guess I'll stick with Minnesota at home, though. They've got more on the line. Yeah. Carolina at the Giants, which this is, a again, a team that's playing on Monday night, so we don't know exactly where they stand. But um, interestingly enough, in 1998, this past, you know, what, it would have been the 17th anniversary yesterday is when Kent Graham and the Giants at Giants Stadium beat the 13-0 Denver Broncos. So I'm going to say they're going to do it again for no other reason than I think they have the firepower to stick with Carolina. And law of averages, teams don't win 20 in a row. So I think eventually Carolina's got to lose. Damn, I was going to pick that too, but now I can't since (laughs) that was the big upset. I'm going to go with Carolina then. I I think you're right, though. I think just kind of – I know Carolina's blowing people out. But I just start to get a little concerned when you see them taking like big group photos on the sidelines, and they're having a lot of fun. But it just seems like it's getting a, almost a little too far, yeah. and that some team's going to come and smack them in the mouth, and a team that maybe they're not expecting to do it. And this seems like a pretty prime game for that to happen. Yeah, and and Cam Newton's personality fits that great, but it's different when you're at Auburn and then Vanderbilt's coming next week. Yeah, you know this is a little bit different in the NFL when you have to be on your game all the time. Yeah, you just kind of get the feeling that, you know, New York's desperate right now and Carolina's cruising and they, they might get stuck, but I'll go with Carolina. Especially if the Giants win tonight. I think then yeah. there's 
even more danger for the Panthers. Atlanta at Jacksonville. I wouldn't pick the Falcons to beat any of the four teams in the college football playoff right now. Yeah, agreed, Jacksonville. Uh, Cleveland at Seattle. Uh, seems like another easy one. I'll go Seattle. Yeah, some great games this uh, upcoming yeah, weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I will also take Seattle. Cincinnati at San Francisco. Two Super Bowl rematches. Oh, these are the worst. <laughs> this is like the worst week of games all year. Yeah. Um, this is a really hard one to pick. I think I'm gonna stick with Cincinnati. I I don't think AJ McCarron can be bad enough to be any worse than. Uh, God, I can't even remember his name now. Dalton? San Francisco's quarterback. <laughs> oh, Gabbert. Where's the Dalton? Yeah, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, so I mean, they've got a lot better team overall, and I think McCarron's probably even better than Gabbert, so I'll stick with the, the Bengals. I was going to stick with the Bengals, too, after picking San Francisco last week to beat a real bad Cleveland team, but I'll, just to make it interesting and give you a chance to get a little closer, I'll take San Francisco. Thanks for the charity. Oh, yeah, yeah no problem. It's the, tis the season, right? That's right. What'd you get your brother for Christmas? I picked the, the San Francisco 49ers to win a game in our pickoff. <laughs> Denver at Pittsburgh. Um, uh, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. I will agree. Um, I don't think Peyton Manning or Osweiler can put up enough points to stick with that Steeler offense right now. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking yesterday that it, it's very difficult because they're both going to be coming through the wild card round, but would anybody be surprised if the Super Bowl was Pittsburgh against Seattle? No, not at all. <laughs> In fact, that might even be my picks if, if it got to that point. That, uh, it seems fairly likely. Yeah, although that makes me shudder thinking about that because their last Super Bowl was one of the most boring games I've ever seen. Yeah, let's not have a repeat of that. Yeah, but the game they had two weeks ago was fantastic, so hopefully we can have that. Miami at San Diego, yuck. Yeah, um, I, I think I know what San Diego is at this point. I'm not sure what Miami is, so I guess just on the, the chance that they have a good game, I'll pick the Dolphins. Yeah, San Diego's a disaster, so I, I don't think I'll pick them the rest of the year. Arizona at Philadelphia could be interesting. Yeah, I'll stick with the Cardinals, though. I I don't think Philly's that good, even though they won a couple in a row here. Uh, maybe I'm picking on wishful thinking, but I'm going to pick the Eagles, just so okay. we can be in, give so, us a shot. Yeah, and be then make us even that much more disappointed when we lose to the Cardinals. Detroit at New Orleans on Monday Night Football. Uh, I'll go Saints. It sure seemed like the Lions quit yesterday, didn't it? Uh, and the Saints yeah. get a big win. I think. Who knows? I mean, these two teams are so weird, but I, I guess I'll pick the Saints at home. How could you not quit after losing that game yeah. to the Packers and, you know, they've had everybody fired and there's got to be a feeling in the locker room that the coach is gone and half the players are going to be gone next year. So yeah, it's a tough situation. The Packers at the Raiders, and it will be, what, almost two two days off of the uh, 12th anniversary of the Brett Favre dad game in Oakland, which from – Due to some strange scheduling quirk I don't quite understand, um, it will be the first time the Packers play in Oakland since the Monday Night Football game back in December of 2003. So the Packers taking on a Raider team that is far less scary than it was several weeks ago. Although they won yesterday in Denver. Yeah, just barely. With eight first downs on offense, apparently. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, two weeks ago, had you asked me, I probably would have picked the Raiders, but it's they're... Their downward trend has been a lot worse than our ha- ours has been. Mm-hmm. And if you can just run the ball like you did the other day, Khalil Mack's real good. It'll be fun to see Charles Woodson play against the pack again. Hopefully it doesn't hurt us too much. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm tempted to pick the Raiders just because I'm still not real confident in the Packers, but I, I still like our team better. Yeah, I'm going to very reluctantly pick the Packers. I could totally see the Raiders winning this game. And if it's close at the end, I'm almost going to be expecting a Charles Woodson interception to finish mm-hmm. it. Um, 
yeah, Derek Carr is another one of those guys. He's got 28 touchdowns to nine interceptions, which is nuts. But yeah, I, I almost want to fire up my uh, what I can never remember the darn name of the service. I'm talking it up like it's a great thing to have, but I can't remember the NFL um, Game Pass and see how the heck the Denver Broncos lost a game in which they gave up eight first downs and only turned it over twice. Yeah, and I think the Raiders had negative 11 yards in the first half or something like oh, that. That's crazy. How does that happen? 126 yards of total offense. They didn't break 100 rushing or passing. That's oh. nuts. Uh, but I'll take the Packers, I guess. Um, hopefully, you know, they kind of found their groove again, and it'd be nice. Um, I think last year... Yes, last year they did win before Christmas. Um, there was some ridiculous invented stat that I had made because um, I noticed it when I was a little younger that they had like a five or six year losing streak on the last game before Christmas, <laughs> which was really weird. But you always want to be a winner going into Christmas, right? That's right. So hopefully the Packers can be one of those in 2015 and clinch a playoff spot, either with a win or with a Tampa Bay loss. And at least uh, by Christmas time, they'll have that part of the journey sewn up and ready to go for January. So, Matt, was there any other glaring stuff that you wanted to talk about, or can we jet on out of here? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to interact with us or comment on the episode you can do so not only in the comment section below on our podbean page but you can also do so at green and gold forever podcast on facebook you can hit me up on twitter at green gold forever that's the number four uh, green gold forever.podbean.com is our official website where you can find our complete archives and all the new episodes which are almost always on monday night at around the start of the monday night football game and also, don't forget to tune in to KZ Radio. That is 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities, 104.3 in Green Bay, or anywhere in the world at mykzradio.com, where you can listen to the Green and Gold Forever preview on Friday afternoons between 3 and 5. So if you're on your way home from work or if you're heading out to some holiday parties, you can uh, listen to all of the great hits of the 80s and 90s, like uh, Bon Jovi and Peter Gabriel and I think... Though they just changed out their music and somehow back in the high life again didn't make the cut. And I almost left in, in total protest <laughs> and refused to ever talk on the station again. But I think they still have Roll With It, which is an okay song. But anyways, I'll be on there and I not only will talk about the Packers, I'll advocate for the return of Back in the High Life again. Which if the Packers keep playing well, we'll get to hear on this podcast. Uh, so for uh, Matt out in... Altoona, I am Eric and Appleton. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.